Hello everyone, this is Coach Bills checking in with an NTT preview. It's a solo podcast for now, perhaps for later regions. I'll be joined by somebody else or maybe others will do it without me. Uh, but for now, you've got just me. Sorry about that. I'm going to try to, first of all, start with Region 1 and try to give you sort of a broader overview of what I see in this region rather than go through it game by game. Just because I think I, at least when I do it by myself, get a little bit bogged down in the games. Uh, last year's One Region podcast went over an hour, and maybe that was good or, or not so good, not sure, uh, for those in that region, but it also meant that I didn't get to the other regions. And I also think that, you know, taking a look at the NTT, really we should go beyond that first round, right? And if we spend a lot of time on the first round games, and then the later picks are sort of an afterthought, that does violence to what the tournament really is, which is an attempt uh, to win the entire championship for the whole season, right? So uh, starting with Region 1 here, taking a look at this region as a whole, I think it's actually a very fascinating region in the sense that I'm not convinced any of the best, you know, two or three teams in this region are among the top four seeds. And I don't mean to be disrespectful to those teams, but I see some very strong teams further down the seed line and not the kind of juggernauts that we maybe are used to seeing at the top of the seed line. Uh, and that starts right with the number one overall seed in the whole tournament, the Shreveport Paper Shredders, who truly are an amazing story. I, I want to start with the positive on them. A team that had only been to the NTT twice in the entire history of the league before this season, uh, not since season 20 have they been to the NTT. And then this season, all of a sudden, have gone 18-0 and and are ranked number one uh, thanks to their decent strength of schedule and margin of victory. So that's the positive. And at, you can add to that also, there are some good players on this team, no doubt. Uh, Alejandro Pierce, a very strong seven-foot center. Randy Cameron, uh, a good freshman who was brought in along with Marcus Miller, his freshman backcourt mate. These guys are good players. There's a reason this team is 18-0. But I don't see this team as the favorite to win this region or really anything close to that. Even if you just look at their projected second-round matchup, if you give them the first-round win over Bethlehem, uh, they'd be playing either Nashville or Lincoln, the winner of the 8-9 game. And Nashville is a team that beat Shreveport in the preseason by a pretty healthy margin. 77-61 to 61 was the final in that game. So, you know, we don't have our trusty leader, Coach V, on this podcast and maybe he would play it close to the vest anyway, even if he were here. But I have to believe he would feel pretty confident about a second-round matchup against what then would be a 19-0 Shreveport team. So as much as that team has had a terrific season, I really think they could be out relatively soon if Nashville is able to get by Lincoln. I think that's going to be a tough matchup for them. And, you know, I'm not basing that just on the result in that preseason game. Nashville is a very strong team. This is the kind of team I could see winning this region as an eight seed. You know, for so long, Coach V has had good but not great teams with players he's sort of, you know, strung together without winning ties. But last season, finally, he got some luck, uh, has a 3-2 freshman class, hardwood slash sim hoops, and those guys have been playing very well, led by Jose Blevins and Brandon Bowie. Uh, and then there are other good players on the team as well. Uh, Brandon Roberts, uh, the point guard, has had a very, you know, sort of a breakout season as a senior. And then Luke Jones and Makai Munn, the junior front court, have both been good as well. 
So, you know, they're 11 and 7, Conference 15, perennially difficult, causes teams to lose some games. Uh, but I see this as a strong team that has a real shot uh, to go all the way to the Final Four, I think. Uh, moving down the region, uh, sticking with those top seeds, though, first. So we, we analyzed Shreveport. I gave you my concerns about them. Just sort of the, the lack of overall talent uh, on that team concerns me. Uh, the seniors uh, are not great as well. There's one senior starter. It's not a very well-ranked senior class. Usually you would think you'd want to have strong seniors to make an NTT run. And then, you know, the team is 18-0. and uh, they have a couple of good wins on the schedule, to be fair to them. They beat Joplin, whom we'll talk about in a moment, uh, currently ranked number six in the country. That seems like a pretty good win, right? Uh, they beat Boca Raton in their conference uh, by 16 points, and Boca Raton is number 30 right now. They beat Houston, who's also in this region and in the NTT. So I can't claim that this team has no good wins. Uh, but, you know, when you throw in their preseason games, they lost all three of those. They lost to Nashville, they lost to Worcester, they lost to Culver City. All good teams. None of those is a bad loss. But if you added those to the schedule for Shreveport and just made them 18-3, and three, they wouldn't be number one in the country. So that, that's really my point. It's not that I think they're a bad team, but to be the number one overall seed, you usually would expect to see a stronger, more formidable, more formidable, excuse me, more intimidating opponent than Shreveport is. Uh, and I think the same can be said for the two in this region. That's Joplin. We were just talking about them. Shreveport beat Joplin. And part of the reason that I'm not wowed by that is I'm not sure just how good Joplin is. Uh, Joplin is a team that won Conference 14's tournament after being the two seed in the regular season. Uh, they've got a star junior center in Seth Foster. No doubt about that. Good player. A very good scorer at small forward in Brett Cole. So again, a good team. Uh, with some good wins, they beat Inglewood, they beat Albuquerque, um, they beat Rockford handily in that conference tournament final just on Friday. So I don't mean to say Joplin is bad, but I don't really see the talent here overall. I mean, uh, 217, 203 seniors, 117, 114 sophomores. The junior class is kind of a one-man show led by Foster. The freshmen are good, but not a consensus top 25 class. So again, for an NTT two seed, you know, they don't look quite as strong as you might imagine. Uh, and kind of just like Shreveport has a tough potential second round matchup in Nashville, I think Joplin, if they can get by Colorado Springs, which I don't view as a done deal at all, would have a tough second round matchup with either Montpelier, the seven seed, or Houston, the 10 seed. Uh, Montpelier in particular really is the team that I have my eye on. Um, a team with a ton of talent I mean, you look through their classes, each one of their classes is better than or at worst the same as uh, Joplin's best ranked class. You know, and obviously recruiting rankings aren't perfect. I don't mean to base all of my predictions on those. But Montpelier also is a team that has been there before, right? The current seniors on this team were freshmen on a team that went 23-1, and lost in the title game. Uh, the next season, Montpelier was in the Elite Eight. Last year, they were in the Sweet 16. So admittedly, it's a program that's been going in the wrong direction in the NTT, but from a really high height, right? And they've still got some great players. Dorian Garavaglia, Garavaglia excuse me, star shooting guard, uh, incredible shooting numbers, uh, shooting over 64% true shooting uh, on high volume, scoring over 26 points per game. Uh, you know, he's a superstar and there are good players around him. 
Uh, the one thing I wonder about when it comes to Montpelier is the lineup they've got going. Uh, Jalen Powell, the senior center, is a good player, but not a great player, and not even what I would call an especially good player. And given the talent that's on the bench behind him, uh, namely in the form of Wyatt Tabares, uh, I'm surprised to see Powell starting and playing so many minutes throughout this season. He's been the center in every single game, preseason, regular season, so there's not really much of a reason to expect a change. Uh, but certainly if I were Coach Russ, uh, looking at this team just from the outside, I would be very tempted to put Tabares in there in the, in the starting lineup uh, because he has been very productive on the bench in line with what he was projected to do as a highly sought-after recruit in high school. But regardless of whether he comes in or not, I see Montpelier as a better team than Joplin. So if, if we get that 2-7 match, I think Montpelier would be the favorite in the second round there. And then moving further down to the three seed, Branson, a team that, just like Shreveport and Joplin, doesn't have much of an NTT history. Uh, you know, Branson's been in the NTT before. They were in in season 27, so not so long ago. And then in the early days of League 31, they were more of an NTT mainstay. Uh, but for the most part, since season 13, they only have that one NTT appearance until now. And now they're way up as a three seed. And, of course, it's because... They've had a good season, right? They're 16 and 2, number 9 in the country. Good for them. Uh, beat, you know, uh, a reasonably ranked Cedar Rapids team in the conference tournament final for Conference 17 by a good margin. Uh, also beat Mesa, another NTT team. So it's not as if this team hasn't done anything, but just once again, you look at the recruiting class rankings. Of the eight rankings you can see, four sim hoops for four classes, four hardwood for four classes, only one of those eight is even in the top 100. Uh, the sophomore class is 53-121 hardwood sim hoops, uh, led presumably by Raymond Cook, who's in the starting lineup. And if you take a look at the roster, you can see there are guys that are easily outperforming those rankings. Uh, Kobe Anderson and Zebulon Williams have had very good seasons as the guards. But you do have to wonder, when they start playing NTT-level competition, will those guys be able to be, continue to produce at that level? Uh, I think they've got a tough first-round matchup at Huntsville. I would not be surprised at all to see Huntsville win that game. Uh, if it goes that way, then you know we've got a wide-open, very bottom of this region. Uh, and that could create an opportunity for teams like Seattle. And the one I especially have my eye on is Utica, the 11 seed a team that struggled a bit earlier in the year, uh, started out two and, two and three, excuse me, um, but now has won five games in a row, and most importantly, as has been discussed on the message boards, has gotten its best player going. Uh, Jose Glass, uh, a junior, best player on this team, uh, has been moved around a bit, played shooting guard earlier in the year, played one game at point guard, then went back to the two, but for these last five, all wins, has been at point guard and has been producing had a 42-point game in the first round of the Conference 2 tournament to help Utica eke out a small win over New York City. So it's not as if it's been a dominant team. I don't mean to say that Utica should be some big favorite to come out of that bottom region. And I don't want to ignore Seattle as well, a team that's had a very good very good season, 17-1, uh, and one, with some great performances from freshman Lucas Dillard and fellow freshman Caleb Haynes. This is a team that you can see some big statistical numbers from, albeit against a weaker schedule. But I, I really think that very bottom is kind of wide open. And 
then finally to close out sort of these top four seeds, moving up back toward the top of the region, you look at Jackson, a team with a terrific NTT history, mostly very early on in League 31's history. You know, a team that won a couple of NTTs and made it back to the Final Four another time, I believe. So it's always notable to see them in the NTT. And they've got some talent. Nice season, 16-2. and two, Good freshmen. Aaron Harris and James Brazil in the backcourt are good players. But I, I don't know that this team, other than that mystique that Jackson has surrounding it, necessarily should be a big favorite even in that 4-13 game. Uh, I think San Jose is a very strong squad at the 13 seed, and I would not be surprised at all to see them come out with that win in this game. So I think most seasons when I am doing this podcast with Coach V or with anyone else, I am often thinking, well, you know, I know there are going to be some upsets, but it's difficult to figure out where they're going to be because the top seeds look like the best teams. And so you just start kind of randomly picking upsets or thinking like, well, this team's a little bit weaker than another one, so maybe that's where the upset will be. By contrast, this season, at least in season in Region 1, excuse me, I can see a lot of upsets coming. Maybe I'll be totally wrong, but I, I genuinely would predict a fair amount of upsets. I don't think Shreveport is going to lose to Bethlehem. I think they've got the edge there. But I could easily see Joplin falling to Colorado Springs. I could see Branson losing to Huntsville. And I could see Jackson losing to San Jose. So you could easily see, I could see, imagine two, three, and four being out from this region uh, in round one. And I certainly think Shreveport is very, very vulnerable as soon as round two. Uh, that leaves only one matchup that I didn't talk about. Uh, Lancaster, the five seed against the 12 Little Rock. I think Lancaster is a team that absolutely could win this region. They are one of the best teams in this region, I think. They're 17-1 and one against a very weak schedule. And I think their power ranking would be higher if they had played better teams. In other words, I think they would have beaten some better teams if they had gotten the opportunity to do so. It's a very talented squad. Great juniors, great freshmen. Uh, hardwood senior class led by Bailey Reaney, who's been very good at that small forward position. Some unbelievable shooting numbers for this team, again, against a weaker schedule, admittedly. Uh, but that's a team that I really think could make a run. So sort of zooming out, big picture, uh, before we wrap up for Region 1, I see Nashville as a strong chance, has, as having a strong chance to win the region at, from the eight-seed slot. I think Lancaster is a very good team at that five-seed spot. Montpelier, the seventh seed. Those are really the three teams that I see as the best in this region. Uh, I, I also mentioned Utica as a team that I would not be surprised at all to see in the Sweet 16 as an 11 seed. So, you know, if you want some official predictions, I think that's where I'd go for the Sweet 16, Nashville against Lancaster, and then Montpelier against Utica. So sorry to those teams for the jinx. But I really think this could be a very topsy-turvy region. And uh, those, uh, honestly, I would be more surprised to see one, two, three, or four come out of the region than I would to see the four that I mentioned in their place, Nashville, Lancaster, Montpelier, Utica. Those are the teams that I think uh, are sort of the strongest within their little sub-pods within, within this region. And I think if I had to pick somebody, I, I'm very tempted to go with Lancaster overall. It's always scary to pick those, you know, the teams that have such a weak schedule, but Lancaster has a pretty decent NTT history. They've been there a bunch of times recently. They've never made all that much noise, but they've won, they've won a game here and there, and they've added a very talented group of freshmen. So I think 
you know, if it does end up with Nashville versus Lancaster, it could certainly go either way. It's a, it's a battle between a team that has hardly lost and played almost no one against a team that has lost a whole bunch of times against a really, really tough schedule. I could see that one going either way, but I think those are two great teams, and I hope we get to see that matchup. And likewise, if we see something like Montpelier against Utica, and, and I, I honestly don't think Utica's on quite the same level as those other three three teams I've identified. So could be Huntsville, could be Seattle, obviously could be Branson, the three seed. But I, I like Montpelier to beat whoever it is that comes out of that bottom group if Montpelier gets there. Um, I, I think that'll be a good game as well. So I ultimately think it's going to be Montpelier, Lancaster, or Nashville headed to the Final Four. And we'll see if I have any idea what I'm talking about over the next week. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for Region 1. Brief, but hopefully relatively entertaining and informative. I think I'll move on now to Region 2. Welcome back, everyone. Or perhaps I should say welcome. For those of you that did not listen to the Region 1 podcast, this is Coach Bills doing a solo NTT preview. Now for Region 2. During the Region 1 preview, I mentioned that I'm trying not to go just game by game, rote through each game that way. I want to try to give a broader overview of each region, focusing on some of the top seeds, as well as the teams that I think really have the best chance to win the region. Sometimes, of course, those two categories will very much overlap, sometimes not. Uh, In the case of Region 2, I think it's a really very wide open region. And that's not because I don't think the top seeds are good. I think they are. I just think there are some even matchups really up and down the the list here for Region 2. Not every single one, but uh, a bunch of games that I could see going either way, both in the first round and then in terms of projected matchups later on. Uh, But let's start with a team that I do think shouldn't have too much trouble winning in the first round, and that's the top seed, Paducah. Uh, A program that comes out of Conference 18, a traditionally competitive conference, with a good history, not a team that itself has had all that much success. Uh, There were, uh, there was a period of seasons from season 11 through 19 where Paducah was mostly in the NTT, Uh, but since then they hadn't been back until last season. So uh, they went from season 20 through 30 with no NTT appearances, and then last year made the NTT but lost in the first round. Um, This season, Paducah didn't add some incredible freshman class to you know, push this team over the top, but they did add a couple of contributors. Benjamin Lacey, who's been a starter for much of this season. Brian Willis, who uh, was a starter earlier in the year and then eventually got benched, uh, or moved to the bench, perhaps I should say. But most importantly for this team, some of their better players got another year of experience. Uh, Clayton Safford, Joshua Boyle, Those are the two stars for this team in the front court. Safford is now a senior, 6'9", playing power forward, solid overall numbers. Joshua Boyle playing center, a junior, some star-like numbers. Uh, 19.2 points a game, 11.2 rebounds, 4.2 blocks, uh, really a stud playing center. Uh, After, by the way, spending his high school career playing small forward at 6'10". So an interesting career for him. Uh, and then I should uh, also make sure to mention Ronaldo Katsaros, who is the six-foot point guard, who has had another very solid season at that spot uh, with 16 points per game, uh, over seven and a half assists per game, and almost two steals per game uh, at the point guard spot. So this is a team with three stars 
and some decent players around them, uh, some solid bench players as well as you know guys who fill in in that that two three spot. So those are the weaker spots for this team, but it's a strong see it's a strong team for sure. Uh, to go seventeen and one through a conference eighteen schedule is impressive, really regardless of the season. Uh, Waterloo, especially of late, has always been a very tough out, and Paducah managed to beat them twice this season. Uh, their only loss came to a team in Flint that is actually outside the top 100, uh, so a bit of a surprise there. They lost uh, by seven points midway through the season. But other than that, this team is unblemished, and that includes some nice non-conference wins as well as the conference schedule. Uh, they beat Twin Falls, a team that's in the NTT by a pretty healthy margin, and they beat Montpelier, another NTT team. Both teams are solidly in the NTT. Uh, they won that one by seven. So this is a deserving number one seed. Maybe not a completely intimidating number one seed, not an unbeatable number one seed for sure, but a team that I think is certainly better than its first round opponent in San Diego, which deserves plaudits for making the NTT uh, a once proud program from earlier in uh, League 31's history that had fallen on hard times of late. So it's great to see them back in the NTT. Uh, There's some good talent on that squad, most certainly. It looks to be an up-and-coming team. Uh, but I don't know that they're very likely to put up a great fight against Paducah in round one. So I do think Paducah is likely to advance uh, and make some noise potentially later on. Uh, moving down to the two seed in the region again, so we're not just going to go top to bottom. I want to start with sort of the, the top seeds. Uh, that's Culver City, uh, the Butterburgers, uh, a team that has had a lot of success of late, two Sweet 16s in the past three seasons, uh, and now 17-1, and one, number eight in the country. Uh, with some really good players. And to me, it starts with Jalen Clark, the junior center, who has just some unbelievable numbers uh, overall. 5.6 blocks to go with a 1.1 steals, 11.8 rebounds, a 3-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio, and, oh yeah, also 12 points a game, right? So this guy is averaging a double-double plus the 5.5 blocks a game. So a real star in the middle. And, you know, you don't have to think back too far to think of a player with somewhat similar block numbers who made a huge impact in the NTT. I'm referring to Michael Montgomery of Sioux City, a team that won the NTT, went back to the title game last year. Montgomery is now gone, but, you know, coincidentally enough, Sioux City is the 15 seed that will oppose this two seed, Culver City. And here's where we start to get into those matchups that I think could go either way. I, I said I see a lot of those in this region, and this is one of them. Uh, I think Culver City is likely the better team now that Montgomery is gone and Clark is here for Culver City. So I don't mean to suggest that, that, that a 215 matchup is completely even or that it's you know anybody's guess who wins, but Sioux City obviously is a team with terrific NTT history, three straight Final Fours. Uh, some of those guys who were there on last year's team are back, right? Uh, Grayson Hernandez, starter on last year's team, George Woodside, Jacob Hardy played some big minutes for that team. So, and those guys are all back. Uh, some new faces as well. Ian Kohler, who was a freshman on last year's team and, and spot started, I believe, in the NTT at times, uh, is now a permanent starter. And then, uh, you know, the point guard spot has been a bit of a question for this team. Joseph Van Hook was the starter earlier in the season. And then of late, it's been Michael Crump, who's been the point guard. He played on Friday for them. So it's certainly a team trying to figure itself out, whereas Culver City has its lineup. They've got Clark in the middle. They've got Patrick Lamy at small forward. So again, they should be the favorite, but it's a matchup that 
that is certainly going to be a little bit intimidating, a little bit scary for Culver City to be going against a squad that's been in the Final Four for three straight seasons. And as much as I think Culver City, just like Paducah, deserves its high seed, has had a great season, it's not a team that's just completely overwhelming, you know, that gives you the impression that they're unbeatable, right? Uh, Their freshman and sophomore classes aren't ranked all that well. The talent is mostly concentrated in the upperclassmen, which is a good thing for the most part, but you wonder exactly how well they'll be able to be able to hold up, excuse me, if they get into foul trouble. So that most likely likely would bite them further down the line as opposed to in round one. But at the same time, it's not some team that you expect to blow out a first-round opponent, particularly when that first-round opponent is Sioux City. Next is the three-seed Phoenix further down the bracket. Uh, and the story is somewhat similar. Phoenix, 16 and 12, good season. Another program that really doesn't have a great NTT history. Hadn't been to the NTT at all, in fact, before this season. This is the first NTT appearance for Phoenix. So congratulations to them. Nice job, Coach J. Paul, 80. Uh, did win the, the DTT, excuse me, a few seasons ago in season 28. So that, that may have been fun. But now they're going for a much bigger prize with some good talent. Floyd Kennedy, the junior, has had a nice season at shooting guard, 24.7 points a game with pretty good shooting numbers. Walker Rowe, efficient at point guard, nice assist-to-turnover ratio, pretty good steals, can score a bit, shoot well. Luis Williams and Tristan Wilson are the freshmen in the front court, center, power forward, good players. No obvious star on this team, though. No top 25 class either. The junior class is close. That's the Roe Kennedy class. And the schedule is impressive, to be fair. Phoenix went through a tough Conference 32, dropped a game early, in fact, its first conference game, to Albuquerque, and then didn't lose again in the conference until the conference tournament final against Flagstaff, a team that was solidly in, in the NTT with or without that conference tournament win. This Conference 32 features Phoenix, which is the three seed, up at number 12, Flagstaff at number 21, and Albuquerque at number 37. Three teams in the NTT, good squads. It's a strong conference year in and year out. Teams like Yuma certainly compete, even though Yuma's not in the NTT this year. So it's an impressive accomplishment for Phoenix, again, never having made the NTT before, to not only get in this season, but get in solidly at that number 12 spot. So kudos to them. But once again, it's not a team that will just knock your socks off taking a look at it. And their opponent could be tough. Gulf Shores is a team that does have a top 25 class. The freshmen are ranked 13-27. And you can see why. Some nice, big talent. William Robinson, Holden Sumner, power forward center, good players. Nicholas Wise, a very strong uh, sophomore small forward who can score and defend. Carlton Smith, junior point guard, 8.7 assists a game, two steals. And got to make sure to mention, Gulf Shores has a terrific NTT history. Just two seasons ago, they were in the Sweet 16. But going back further than that, it's a team that's been in the Final Four a number of times. Won two NTTs back in seasons 16 and, and 13 even won the PTT back in season one. So there's just a lot of national tournament success in Gulf Shores' history, 
And that is a stark contrast to Phoenix, which, again, has never been here before. So uh, I think that's going to be a very interesting matchup to see what Coach Buford Hawk can pull together for Gulf Shores to see if they can pull off the upset. And even if Phoenix does get through, it doesn't seem like a team that's just you can automatically pencil into the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight. Finally, just to go through those top four seeds, Blacksburg, the number four seed, they're undefeated. What an awesome season, 18-0. That is an impressive accomplishment. You don't see that very much in League 31. So you got to start with that. It's also a team that has some talent, right? Consensus top 10 sophomore class. Uh, some good players in that class. Ian Hale has been one of their best players at power forward this season. And then there are good players in other classes as well. Michael Smith, statistically, as the point guard for this team, has been the best player on the team. They've played a week schedule, of course, not a big surprise. They're 18-0 in a four seed. And the thing that would concern me taking a look at them is their statistics don't necessarily look like that of a team that is so dominant against a weaker schedule, right? Their true shooting percentage is 52.9, which is fine, not great. And their true shooting percentage allowed is 48.1. Again, fine, not great. Against a weak schedule like that, if this is a team that really were an NTT contender, you would expect to see a bigger margin between that true shooting percentage for and against. And once again, just like with Phoenix, the opponent for Blacksburg in round one is a team with some good NTT success in Macon, a team that last year won a game in the NTT, finished 24th overall, going back further, has an NTT Elite Eight appearance, a Final Four appearance, uh, so it's a very and a, a couple of other Elite Eight appearances from very early in League 31, all with Coach Golf Team 31. So this is a solid squad, and they're 16 and two, albeit against an even weaker schedule than Blacksburg has played, uh, with some good players uh, led by Lester Wilson, the point guard. So once again, it's just a matchup that I, I think is pretty competitive, despite the way the seeds, what the seeds might suggest, and this is true moving further down the region as well. Uh, you have a team like Norman as the five seed, a team whose coach has openly said, you know, they've had a great season, but they aren't quite as good as they were in the past, right? And they play a 12 seed in Baton Rouge that has a star in Curtis Bramble at the power forward position. That one, I think, is a relatively even matchup as well. Uh, Virginia Beach, the six seed, is a team I like a lot. I think that's a team that could really make some noise in this region. I think they should be the clear favorite in their game, but their opponent, Laramie, is a good team, 16-2. and two. Great talent uh, up and down the roster. No class by either magazine was ranked outside of the top 100, right? So absolutely a team that could go in and win that 6-11 matchup against Virginia Beach. Uh, in the 7-10 game, I think you have two very strong squads. New Orleans, one of the better programs in League 31 history, has had a nice season, has had to contend with an up-and-coming squad in Tuscaloosa in its conference, but has a lot of talent, especially in the senior and freshman classes. Evan Evans, the freshman center, has had a good year. Austin Marshall, the senior shooting guard, another very good season for him. And then Hershey, New Orleans' opponent, is 13-5, and coming out of Conference 1. Solid NTT, NTT team from last year, won a game, returned some players, has an all-conference you know, conference of the player of the year in Omar Harmon, some other all-conference players in Kevin Randall and Wesley Edwards. This is a good squad as well. I think that's going to be a good game. 
And then the 8-9 game, Fargo against Idaho Falls, is another one that I think pits two good teams against one another and is very hard to, to pick. Fargo has that one albatross class as the juniors, 248-246, but three good classes around that and has had a nice season in what I think is a slightly underrated Conference 21 this season. From what I can tell looking from the outside, some of those teams may rise based on the postseason performance of the conference. Uh, I think Boise is appropriately ranked up at number seven in the country. Aspen is a very good team. They're number 34. Aurora is a solid squad that is number 58 and just missed out on the NTT. So Fargo, to be 15-3, and having gone through Conference 21, even though the strength of schedule overall number doesn't look great, I think that's a pretty good accomplishment. And the opponent, Idaho Falls, is a very talented team as well. They've got a great sophomore class, ranked 4-7, hardwood sim hoops, led by Norris Hodges, the shooting guard, and some good players around him, led by senior small forward Carson King. And it's a team that was in the NTT before, made it last year, lost in the first round, and then won its next five games. And when King was a freshman, made the Sweet 16. So again, very good team. I think that's a pretty even matchup between Fargo and Idaho Falls. And what all that adds up to, to me, is a region that's difficult to predict in the later rounds. As I said, I like Paducah to advance in the first round. I think Culver City is a pretty good bet to advance, even though they take on uh, such a historically successful team in Sioux City. I think Virginia Beach has a pretty good edge in its matchup. Other than that, though, it's not easy to pick these first-round games, and it won't be easy to pick the later-round games. Uh, Whoever comes out of that Fargo-Idaho Falls matchup will have a great shot against Paducah. That, I think, could be a really good game. Uh, Moving down, if Blacksburg can get by Macon and Norman can get by as the five, that would be a very good game. But I don't see either of those results as foregone conclusions. I think it easily could be Macon against Baton Rouge in the second round. Uh, Four relatively evenly matched teams. I, I don't see any of those four teams in that pod as a threat to win this entire region, candidly. But to win two games, absolutely. I easily could see any of those four teams in the Sweet 16. Moving down, as I said, I think Culver City will escape Sioux City. But then in the second round, they're going to have a tough matchup. New Orleans or Hershey will be ready to go and easily could knock off Culver City. Uh, And then on the bottom, as I said, I like Virginia Beach. Phoenix against Gulf Shores is a tough one. Easy to see Gulf Shores win that one. Uh, To me, the safest pick to make the Sweet 16 out of that bottom group is actually Virginia Beach. I think they're the best team as the sixth seed there. So uh, moving forward, I like Virginia Beach. I think Culver City or New Orleans probably has the edge in that group to make the Sweet 16. I really see it as a total toss-up in the 4, 5, 12, 13 group. Uh, And then at the very top, uh, Fargo, Idaho Falls, and Paducah all have even shots and you know perhaps that doesn't sound like the most in-depth or impressive analysis to just say all these teams are relatively even and it's tough to pick but that's the way I see this region I don't think there's any one team that stands above the rest so uh, you know in terms of teams that I could see actually coming out and winning the whole thing meaning winning the region I think Culver City certainly has a shot to do that as the two seed I think New Orleans has a pretty good shot to do that as the seven seed I really do like Virginia Beach. I think Conference 5, after so many seasons of toiling at the very bottom of the League 31 rankings, is now one of the better conferences, at least at the top. 
Virginia Beach had to contend with a Yonkers team that is a one seed that we'll talk about when we discuss another region. And, and also, I should say, won the PNTT, so you can tell how good Yonkers really is, uh, as well as Ithaca, a team that is ranked number 19 and actually managed to win the regular season in Conference 5, despite how good Yonkers is. So for Virginia Beach to still come out of Conference 5 with an overall record of 15-3, and three, uh, going undefeated in the non-conference and just losing a couple of games in the conference, two in the regular season and then one in the conference tournament, is actually a pretty good accomplishment. So that's why I see that team as a real threat to win it. So if you want a prediction, that's the team I think I like the most. I see them coming out of the bottom, playing in the Elite Eight. But again, Culver City, New Orleans, very strong teams. Easily could see them there. But if you want to pick, I'll go with Virginia Beach. And then on the top, I think it's going to be somebody from that very top group. Paducah, Fargo, Idaho Falls. Really, whoever wins that Fargo-Idaho Falls first-round matchup is kind of the one that I am tempted to go with to eventually come out uh, and play in the Elite Eight. But ultimately, I'm going to take Virginia Beach. I like them uh, to, to win this region. You know, I, I got to give you some kind of prediction if you're going to stay all the way to the end of the podcast. But that's the way I see this region. I think a lot of good teams, no obvious great team, and really no bad teams. You know, I said I don't think San Diego can keep up with Paducah, but that's a solid team as well. So uh, if you did see an upset there, it wouldn't be a total shock. And certainly moving down the line, I, I would not be surprised to see a 314 upset. I would not be at all surprised to see a 413 upset or a 512. So all of those games could easily be upsets, uh, at least based on the seed line, and everything could be turned upside down in this region as well. But good luck to all teams involved, and that's it for now. Hello, everyone. Coach Bill's back with you for a Region 3 NTT preview now. Talked through Regions 1 and 2 already. And for those two regions, I said various forms of, I think the regions were pretty wide open. And there wasn't any great team at the top of the region. Uh, In Region 1, I was saying I thought the top four seeds were all very vulnerable. In Region 2, I think the top seeds are pretty good, but the bottom seeds are around as good as they are, so it really could go a lot of different directions. In Region 3, I think it's clearer to see who the favorites are. I think there are some very, very strong teams in this region. And that starts with the number one seed, Yonkers, a team that already has proved how good it is by winning the PNTT. Uh, An impressive accomplishment, obviously. And a team that has had a nice season following that up. There's a reason they're number two in the country, despite having three losses. They're 15-3, and three, but have a great margin of victory of oh, almost 20 points a game. And they're up at that number two spot in the overall rankings. And they've got a lot of talent to back it up. Zachary DuBose is uh, an incredible small forward as a senior who shoots over 65% true shooting, scoring 23 points a game. And that is a number that would actually be increased if you took a look at the per 30 numbers, 25.2 points per 30 minutes he's got. Uh, Jesus Bland at shooting guard, scoring 22 points per 30. Marcus Everett, freshman power forward, has fit in very nicely for this team, uh, doing a little bit of everything at that spot. And Bjorn Ballinger, the center, uh, with over 10 rebounds a game, uh, or I should say over 10 rebounds per 30 minutes, over four blocks per 30 minutes, 5.4 assists. So up and down the lineup, this team is great. So there's a reason they've had so much success. 
and I think they are a cut above uh, most of the other teams in this region, although I think there are some very good teams in this region that will give them some trouble. El Paso, their first-round opponent, not really being one of them. So I think Yonkers should cruise in that one. Moving down, and again, if you haven't listened to the regions one and two, I'm trying to go by seed as opposed to just by game here. Uh, the next team to talk about would be Tuscaloosa, the two seed. This is a team that I think uh, has burst onto the scene and looks really good. Uh, they hadn't been in the NTT for a little while before this season, not since season 25, so they were on a bit of a cold spell. But I think they're legit. They've got uh, a hardwood senior class led by Jorge Castello, Castello or Castello at power forward. He's got some great numbers backing up that ranking. And a freshman in Efren Owens, who was a highly recruited player as a point guard and has lived up to the hype. Um, he's got 15.6 points per game, 6.6 assists to go with just 1.6 turnovers, and 1.4 steals. So those two form a very formidable one-two punch for Tuscaloosa, a team that played in a competitive Conference 12, beat New Orleans one out of the two times they played them, a, a very solid team that's in the NTT, and uh, ended up winning the conference tournament there as well uh, after rolling through Biloxi by 30 points in the conference tournament final. So this team, Tuscaloosa, is a very good squad at the two-seed spot. Now, with that said... I don't think they're on the level of Yonkers. I think Yonkers is a clearly better team as the one seed than Tuscaloosa is as the two, although I certainly do think Tuscaloosa is safe for at least a round, if not more, uh, as their first-round opponent is some program in Duluth that doesn't really seem to have had a lot of success of late, uh, in stark contrast to what the team was doing during the 20s, if you will. For those of you that remember that, I don't necessarily need to detail all the success that Duluth had. But for now, Tuscaloosa is the better team and should advance, but I, I don't see them as a likely threat to actually win this region. By contrast, this next team I think could be, and that's the three-seed Boise, uh, a team with a great senior class, consensus top 10, uh, led by Isaiah Beebe at Power Forward, who has had a very nice senior season, and Patrick Turgeon, who's coming to his own as a center for this team. Uh, Turgeon was there playing last season, starting some, on the bench some, not all that productive overall, uh, but he has, I mean, he was fine, but he's certainly taken a step up this season as a full-time starter. Uh, so that is helping them. And then Robert Martin, the point guard, as a sophomore, is leading the scoring for them with 23 points a game. And I mentioned earlier, I don't think it was on the Region 3 podcast, it was a previous one. I like this Conference 21. I think it's a pretty solid group. And, you know, for Boise to have losses, say, to Fargo and two to Aspen, I don't think those are bad losses. I think those are good teams. And certainly they're in the NTT, so it's obvious they're not particularly bad. But I think uh, those teams may win a couple of games in the NTT and show that Boise really didn't have uh, any bad losses at all. And, of course... Boise itself has a nice recent history. Uh, been in the NTT the last few seasons. This is now the sixth in a row. And just two seasons ago, Boise made it all the way to the NTT title game. Of course, some of the players from that squad are gone. George Rowland is not here anymore, right? Uh, Ricardo Brown also has graduated. Uh, but some of the contributors to that team are still here, right? BB, of course, was a starter back then. Um, 
Adam Tinsley was starting at that time. He's still on the squad. Now he's backing up Turgeon. Uh, Darius Owens was playing big minutes for that team. He's starting at shooting guard for this team. So there's certainly a lot of success on the roster in terms of experience. And I also don't think that, unlike in Region 2, where I said, and, and Region 1 as well, where I thought there could be some upsets, you know, major seed line upsets, I don't see that brewing here for Boise. I think Gainesville as a 14 seed is a good team, certainly has some talent, some consensus top 60 classes in the juniors and sophomores. So I don't mean to diss them. But I think Boise is, is certainly the better squad and is likely to win that game. Uh, now moving down, we've got yet another team that I think has a real shot to win this region, or certainly would in most regions, and that, of course, is Ann Arbor as the four seed. So really, you might say the sort of top headline for this region is that major clash brewing in the Sweet 16. And I don't, of course, mean to suggest it's inevitable, as I hope my team will have something to say about that uh, if it can win in the first round in the 5-12 game, and we'll get there. Uh, but certainly, according to the seeds, Yonkers and Ann Arbor would show up as a matchup in the Sweet 16, and that would be one a lot of people would be very interested to see, right? Because Ann Arbor has had so much recent success of late, along with Bakersfield and Sioux City, I would say those, those have been the three most successful uh, programs in the NTT or in League 31 over the past say six you know to eight seasons um ann arbor has been at least in the sweet 16 for each of the past four seasons and was in the final four in three of those four and of course won the ntt uh going back to season 28 now they don't have last year's senior big men joshua henley and andrew tucker anymore those guys are gone but as you might know they replaced them a year early last season. Those guys were the 2-2 class, Henley and Tucker, uh, as well as Christian Armstrong, who was another important player for them. Uh, but they brought in a 1-1 class that is now sophomores. Eric Frick, who's a superstar, Jimmy Henry, who's a star, and then Tristan Rice, who is a solid starter. All three, 6-10, 6-10, playing small forward, power forward center. An incredibly impressive and formidable starting lineup in the, that front court spot. And they are joined by Michael Doherty, who is sort of trying to do his Anthony Baker impersonation, if you can remember him, who was 30 points per game scorer for the Ann Arbor team. Doherty has never been Baker, right? But he is a better overall player, uh, and he's certainly a very good scorer. Or I shouldn't say a better overall player, sorry. What I should say is more well-rounded. He's got uh, 5.1 assists per game, 1.6 steals per game, whereas Baker famously at least came in as a non-defender. Uh, and then Doherty can score as well, scoring almost 20 points a game on very good efficiency as well. So this, despite the 15-3 and record uh, that Ann Arbor has, is obviously one of the very best teams in the whole country, right? And I don't mean to suggest 15-3 and is a bad record. Of course, in Conference 15, it's actually a very good record. And they also pulled off the double in Conference 15, winning the regular season and the conference tournament. So it does seem certainly to the objective outside observer that we're heading for, you know, uh, a huge game in that Sweet 16 between Yonkers and, and, and Ann Arbor. Uh, and I, you got to figure, as much love as I want to give to Boise, uh, Tuscaloosa too to some extent, and one more team that I'm going to talk about in a moment on the bottom half of this region, you got to figure the winner of that Yonkers-Ann Arbor game, if it does happen, is likely to win this region. 
So moving outside the top four, some teams to look at. Of course, my team is the top five, is the number five seed. Uh, I'm pleased with our season. Don't want to get into it in a lot of detail. I think we're a good team. Maybe uh, to, to be sort of half optimistic, half pessimistic, I might say we're a season away. We'll see where we go. Uh, obviously, we'll we'll do our best to compete, but I think we have a very tough first round matchup in Worcester, uh, and so I don't you know view that as an easy game at all. Be be certainly very pleased if we're able to get that win. Uh, then there's this team that I referred to a moment ago, Daytona. Uh, they are the six seed. That's a team that I think certainly you could see in the elite eight. I like Boise a lot. I already said that as the three seed. So of course Boise might beat Daytona. Maybe I would even think Boise would be favored to do so. Uh, but Daytona has a lot of talent. They've got uh, four consensus top 90 classes, and that undersells things a bit. Uh, the sophomore class is a 1447 hardwood sim hoops, led by Ethan Spoon, who's really an unbelievable shooter, only scores 16.5 points per 30 minutes, but his true shooting percentage is way up at 674 so that's pretty amazing. And he's got 6.4 assists per game to go with that. So he's good. He's really good at that uh, point guard and shooting guard position. Mostly he's been at shooting guard this season after playing the first seven games at point guard. And then you've got uh, some solid players around him as well. Kyle Duggan, the point guard, has been uh, very efficient for this team. He was the backup point guard when Spoon was starting at point guard. But then when Spoon moved to the two... Duggan came in at, at starting point guard, and he's been nearly as good as Spoon on a per 30 basis in terms of game score. 15.8 points per 30, 6.6 assists, two steals. So he's been very good as well. And then you've got Sergio Anderson, the freshman small forward, part of a consensus top 20 class. And Carlos Gargiulo, if I've got that pronunciation right, uh, who has been moving around between small forward earlier in the season, power forward later in the season. He, as I recall, was a highly uh, sought-after recruit who came in with a nice hardwood-ranked class who has been and who has been pretty productive at that power forward spot as well. So I think this is a very good team that I easily could see making a run. And uh, I'll be very interested if we do get Boise versus Daytona in the second round to see that one. And then the rest of the teams in this region certainly shouldn't be ignored as well. Uh, I like Twin Falls as the seven seed. They've got a star center in Karen Kamen, uh, who's got uh, one of the best game scores in the entire league. He's got 19.2 points per game, almost 10 rebounds, almost five blocks. So he's been great. They're going to be tough. Uh, their opponent, Albuquerque, the 10 seed, certainly shouldn't be ignored as well. Cameron Jameson is their star center, so to see him go against Kamen should be very interesting. Hunter Morris, the Albuquerque point guard, another very good player. So they move, they have moved on from the Mohammed Williams era quite nicely. Williams graduated last season after a great career. Albuquerque right back in the NTT once again. Now the fifth straight NTT for them, and they've been there many times. So that's going to be an interesting matchup, and uh, I, I think the winner of that game has a great shot to move to the Sweet 16. Although, again, as I said, I do like Tuscaloosa too. So good teams there. And then the other team that I haven't talked about that I think is really good but just stuck in a brutal area of this NTT bracket is Waterloo, the nine seed. I think they are a team that is always competitive in the NTT. Uh, made the Sweet 16 two seasons ago, won a game in the NTT last year 
going back at a couple of elite eights in a row, seasons 27 and 28, albeit with players who are no longer on the team. Uh, so this is a team that hasn't been quite as successful this season as I was expecting, but that's just because my expectations were quite high. They're 14 and four, number 35 in the country, have an awesome sophomore point guard in Anthony Johnson. Take a look at his numbers if you get a chance. 13.9 points per 30 minutes. Here, we'll go to the per-game numbers because they're even more impressive. 15.4 points and 11.4 assists. Wow, that's some combination. With 2.4 steals per game as well. So, he, you know, he certainly is going to be in the mix for National Player of the Year. I'm going to take a look right now. I haven't looked at this before. Of course, he was the Conference 18 Player of the Year. And then in terms of game score, right now he is at the top. He's number one with the best game score in the whole country. So he may be the favorite uh, with three games to go before that award is announced to win it with an unbelievable season. So, And I, I don't mean to disrespect Waterloo's opponent as well. Mesa, a team that uh, you know has been discussed a bunch on the boards by its new coach, in the NTT now for the first time in program history. Great accomplishment. A team that's clearly improving, getting better with each season, clearing out some of the poorer-ranked classes. Um, admittedly, though, I, I don't see them as a likely contender, even in the first round. I think Waterloo takes care of them. So that is just a very impressive group right at the top of this region, literally the top, up, the upper part of the region. Yonkers, the one seed, Ann Arbor, the four seed, Waterloo, the nine seed. Those three teams are great. I think Yonkers and Ann Arbor are the two best. I think, unfortunately for Waterloo, it's just stuck in an area of this bracket where may lose in the second round and have a forgettable NTT just because of its opponents. And then even if it were to get by Yonkers with a, you know, great win, you know, potential upset there, they'd probably have to face Ann Arbor in the next round and that would be tough. So um, tough for, for Waterloo to be there, but they are a really good team that deserves mention. And certainly Worcester as well, a team I mentioned briefly as, you know, Salt Lake City's first round opponent. Uh, Worcester has a number one class on the roster. Uh, you know, a junior class with a very interesting ranking, number 20 hardwood and number one sim hoops. You don't see that very often. So a very, very balanced, talented junior class for them, uh, led by Trayvon Moore and Damon Gass in their backcourt. And then a freshman class that is a major hardwood ranking, has a major hardwood ranking, excuse me, 28 hardwood, 102 sim hoops. And that's because of Kyle Gold, the stud big guy who is playing center for this team and has been very effective as well. So that's a very, very good team as well as the 12 seed. So I view Region 3, I've gone through Regions 1, 2, and 3, and admittedly haven't studied Region 4 very closely, but I'm willing to bet, even without looking at Region 4 too closely yet, that Region 3 is the strongest region in this bracket. I think Yonkers is fantastic. I think Ann Arbor is still fantastic. Uh, I like Boise, I like Daytona, I like Waterloo. Those are the teams that especially stick out to me in this region. Um, so I think it's as simple as Yonkers against Ann Arbor in that Sweet 16 winner most likely goes to the Final Four. Waterloo has a chance to play spoiler earlier on to, against Yonkers. And then on the bottom, I think Boise versus Daytona, the winner of that game is probably going to go on to the Elite Eight and have the honor of losing to either Yonkers or Ann Arbor. So that's the way I see it. I think this is a region that really features some impressive talent. Uh, you know, no disrespect to regions one and two, 
but this region stands out thus far. Um, and, you know, <laughs> just my luck, my team happens to be in it, and we'll see how it goes for us as well as every other team in this region. I certainly wish all the, good, all the coaches good luck. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Region 4 preview for the NTT. I'm Coach Bills Fan. If you've listened to any of the other regions, you know that I'm trying to go through this re- region by region and also with a focus on the top seeds in each region. I do talk about pretty much every team, I think, in the NTT. Every team deserves to be mentioned. But I'm not going game by game from the top of the region to the bottom. I want to start with those top seeds. And in Region 4, the top seed, at least on the seed line, is Rockford, a team with a great history and certainly one of the best coaches in League 31 in Future Star, right? I mean, Rockford won the NTT back in Season 18, has been a perennial NTT squad from back in Season 16, which was early in Future Star's reign, or not too far into it at least, uh, and has been on the national scene for a long time. This team, though, is interesting because Coach Future Star himself said on the message boards at the beginning of the season that it wasn't that great. And I don't remember his exact words. I know he said that there wasn't much depth on the team. That seems fair, looking at the roster, but he may have underestimated how good the star talent on this team really was. And I'm sure he didn't underestimate Luke Davis, who is a National Player of the Year candidate, Uh, 28.6 points a game on very good efficiency, Uh, 6.3 rebounds at the small forward position, 1.9 steals, 1.1 blocks. He's just been an all-world performer for this team, and he's a big part of the reason they are a one seed and have a 16-2 record at this juncture. But it's not just him. There are two other players in the starting lineup who have really impressive numbers, and one of those is Alexander Posner, the junior point guard who's got 22.6 points a game, 5.8 assists, uh, and has shot extremely well with over a 63% true shooting percentage. So he's been good. And then there's Noah Rosin, a shooting guard, who's scoring over almost 19 points a game and has a nice assist-to-turnover ratio as well. Those three guys make up a really solid top three, beyond solid. Admittedly, though, Coach Future Star is right in pointing out, or was right, in pointing out that this team doesn't have quite as much depth as some of the great Rockford programs in the past. And that starts in the front court. Cade Powell, Eric Paddock, solid players, seniors at those power forward and center positions, not great players. Statistically, they do lag behind a little bit. Both have game scores below 10, not really where you want to be as a starter for an NTT squad, let alone a number one seed. Now, there's some good player, some good talent on the bench for this team, but it is mostly concentrated in those guard positions. Uh, Fahad Whetstone, Tyler Barkley, Marco McGuire, backups to Posner, Rosin, Davis, they all have good numbers as well, maybe because defenders are a little tired after guarding Posner, Rosin, and Davis most of the time. Uh, But the backup bigs aren't really there either in terms of statistical production. So when you imagine why this team might lose at some point in the NTT, you've got to figure that could be a big part of it, going up against a team with solid size, maybe a star big man. 
So as we look at this region four, it will be interesting to see if we can find an opponent that really could exploit that weakness for Rockford. And as much as I think Rockford is a very good team, could win a few games, I think has a shot to go as far as the Elite Eight, I admittedly don't see them as very likely to actually win this region. But that's not necessarily because of Rockford so much as it is because of this next team, the favorite in this region, probably the favorite to win the entire tournament, Louisville. Louisville is 18-0, somehow fell to a number two seed, dropping from number four to number five in the rankings after this last game. And that's, of course, because of their schedule. They've played the number 231 ranked schedule. So you think, oh, okay, well, a team can go 18-0 and against that kind of schedule. If you listen to the Region 2 broadcast, you heard me talk about Blacksburg. They're 18-0 against a slightly better schedule. And I wasn't going on about how they were a favorite to do anything, really. The difference is in margin of victory and statistics overall, of course. But I don't mean to pick on Blacksburg, but just for comparison, Blacksburg 18-0, very nice, solid margin of victory, average 15.67 per game. That's terrific. Good job. Great season for Blacksburg. Maybe they'll win some games in the NTT, certainly. By contrast, Louisville has outscored its opponents by over 30 points a game, plus 30.06 margin of victory. That is a really eye-popping number. And when you take a look at the talent on this team, it's not a surprise that they've been that successful. Uh, It starts with Cameron Westley, the junior point guard, who I believe has an all-league player of the year or first-team all-league, at least, to his name. He was first-team all-league as a sophomore. That's right. And he was the league freshman of the year as a freshman. Last year only was the conference player of the year, first-team all-conference. Didn't actually have all-league honors, uh, at least according to his player page. That's a bit surprising looking at his numbers. Or excuse me, I see what it is. Excuse me. It's because he's currently a junior, so he doesn't have those num- those accolades quite yet. So as a freshman, league freshman of the year, sophomore, first team all league. This year, hurtling toward another all league honor. Might not make that first team because there are some players who have really impressive statistical profiles this season, but certainly he will be right there. Uh, 24.2 points a game, four assists, shooting over 62% true shooting. He's been a monster as he's been throughout his entire career. Ever since he was able to move from center in high school to a guard position in college. Uh, That must have been a breath of fresh air for him, and he's really taken advantage of the move. But he is far from the only good player on this Louisville team. He's got William Harwood, senior small forward, averaging 15.5 points a game, great defensive numbers, 2.1 steals, 1.1 blocks, 4.9 assists as well to go with it. So he's been very productive. Noah St. Louis at the power forward position, he's been good as well. 5.1 assists from that spot. Nice defensive numbers, too. Logan Riffle, the freshman who headlines the 1-1 class, has been great as the center. I shouldn't say great. He's been very good. 10.6 rebounds, 3.1 blocks. And then Noah Hill actually has been the most efficient scorer on the team, albeit on lower volume. At shooting guard, he's got 13.9 points per game. Bump it up to 16.6 per 30 and he's at 65.2% true shooting. And then, of course, the recruiting rankings are just so impressive. 15-16 seniors, 4-11 juniors, 1-1 freshmen, 
and that sophomore class lagging behind at 66-77. Not so bad either. So a, a really great team through and through. And as I mentioned, they just have been crushing their opponents. You go through, and sure, they haven't played any great teams, but they haven't had a single margin in single digits this season. They do have one 11-point win over a Tucson team that's actually in my conference and I know reasonably well. Uh, They're a pretty solid squad. Uh, Their best win is against Bowling Green, number 54, which was the first team out or last team out, however you think of that. Uh, at number 54 in the power rankings, they are a number one seed in the PNT, in the PTT, excuse me. Louisville beat them three times by 24, 24, and 16. So they just have left no doubt in any of their games this season. And they are the clear favorite in this region as well. They are a stacked team that's going to be very, very, very tough to beat. And certainly that applies to their unfortunate first-round opponent, Vicksburg, another successful all-time you know league 31 team they've been very good through most of league 31's history they have some good talent to be fair to them ryan pence nice junior shooting guard raul thornton junior point guard uh hugh Poole, freshman center those are good players i don't see vicksburg really being able to hang with louisville though and i think if coach marchazzi were here he might even agree with that and again it's nothing against his team just because louisville is is that good uh, so they are the clear favorite to win the region. I will finish with the three and four just to give those protected seeds a little love. And then I'll talk about if who, if anyone, I think has the best chance to challenge this Louisville team in the region. So the three seed is Honolulu, uh, a team that, you know, it's nice to see back in the NTT for the second straight season. Early in League 31, they had a fair bit of success and have fallen on harder times of late. Actually hadn't been in the NTT through seasons 21 through 30, didn't make it any of those, or excuse me, they did make it in season 23, but 24 through 30 hadn't been there. Uh, so it, it's, it was a bit surprising to see them out of the NTT for so long, but now they're back. Kudos to Coach Locksters for that. And they do have some talent on this team without a doubt, so it's not surprising to see them be 17 and one and in that spot as the number three seed. Uh, the seniors are ranked well. Uh, they're led by Brandon Wright, the point guard, 18.2 points a game, 4.4 assists, and a whopping 2.2 steals a game. And then his backcourt mate is Aaron Peterson, the fellow senior. Maybe the most well-known player on this team is Ryan Mobley, who's a junior playing power forward, has some solid overall numbers, particularly on the defensive side of things, and was somewhat well-known, famous, you might say, for being the number one overall player in Bobby's recruiting class rankings for his season. So a well-regarded player there. And then Israel Sawyer at center right next to Mobley is a solid player as well. And these are all from different classes. So you can see this is a team that has had a number of good classes in a row and has put together a very solid roster and a great season. Uh, They do, though, have a very tough first-round opponent. I want to make sure to get that mention in here. Yakima a team that is similarly talented, if not a bit more talented overall, uh, hasn't had the same kind of season. Yakima 12-6, and six, some tough losses earlier in the year to some very good teams. They started 0-3, and then since then have been 12-3 and in their next 15, with two losses to a team in Los Angeles that is just outside the NTT looking in. They're a number one seed in the PTT, and a seven-point loss to Seattle, 
the top team in Conference 30, uh, which, is, which finished 17-1. and one. But if you look at Yakima, they've got a consensus top 10 class uh, among the juniors, led by Ryan Parent, who starts at power forward as an undersized 6'6 junior. Uh, and then the freshmen are ranked number 5, Hardwood, 15, Sim Hoops. You see William Lewis as the starting small forward for this team. He's got some nice numbers. Axel Green also starting as a freshman. And then outside of those two classes, Efren Johnson statistically actually has been the best player on this team. He's the 6'7 sophomore shooting guard for Yakima. So as good as Honolulu's season has been, uh, it will be a tall task to knock off a 14 seed in Yakima. That could be a very good game, certainly. And then the last protected seed is number four, Cedar Rapids, a team that I always seem to talk myself into at NTT time. Usually they've got a ton of talent and are something like 18-0 or 17-1 in a fairly weak Conference 17. This season, things are a little bit different. Not the same kind of talent on the team. Reasonably strong strength of schedule, actually. It's number 91 overall. Uh, Didn't actually even win Conference 17. They finished second in the regular season and then second in the conference tournament as well, both behind Branson. It's a team that has some uh, high-scoring guards in Josiah Tucker and Matthew Patterson, combining for over 53 points a game, those two do. Uh, That's certainly going to be a tough backcourt for anybody to stop. And I I do think they've got an edge in their first-round matchup, I should say, over a Cambridge team that is still improving, doesn't have great talent in its junior and senior classes. So I think Cedar Rapids is likely to get a win. But beyond that, I'm not so sure where that team is going to go. I don't think this season's Cedar Rapids squad is a likely contender to make much noise in this region. Could they win a, a second game? Yes, it's certainly possible. Uh, but I don't see them as necessarily uh, better than, you know, in any, any significant way better than, say, the five seed that they would have to play if both favorites won in, in the second round. Uh, that's Flagstaff, a good team coming out of a good conference in Conference 32, or even Buffalo, the 12 seed that Flagstaff will play in the first round, I think Buffalo has a shot to win in that first round and potentially could win in the second round over Cedar Rapids. I think those three teams are fairly even, Cedar Rapids, Flagstaff, and Buffalo. Um, After that, the next team that I do want to talk about is the number six seed in Ithaca. Ithaca comes out of a conference five that usually, traditionally, is pretty terrible, but this season actually is quite good at the top. Uh, If you heard the conference three, or excuse me, region three preview, You heard me praising Yonkers, which won the Conference 5 tournament and also the PNTT. And then if you heard the the Region 1, or excuse me, the Region 2 preview, you heard me talk about Virginia Beach. So so at a minimum, I think Conference 5 is good. Maybe I'm wrong. I think those three teams, though, are all legitimate contenders to win a few games in the NTT, those being Yonkers, Virginia Beach, and this Ithaca team that is the sixth seed in Region 4. Uh, Ithaca has some, at least one wild <laughs> recruiting class ranking. The seniors are number seven, according to Hardwood, and number 92, according to Sim Hoops. So that tells you right there, there is a player in the senior class that is a stud, that at least the Hardwood Hoops Hangover Digest, whatever it is, Hardwood Hangover Digest, I guess that's what it is, uh, thinks the world of. And that's clearly... Preston Nutter, uh, a big-time recruit, I think, out of Conference, conference 6, uh, who has been very good, maybe not great, 
in college. He doesn't have that, you know, say 20 plus game score season. But this year he's got 17 and a half points a game, 5.2 assists against just 1.8 turnovers at the point guard position, 1.7 steals. So he is a star for sure. And then the freshman class is another hardwood class. Number six, hardwood, 20, Sim Hoops, led by Joseph Goldsmith, who is the center, who's had a solid season as the freshman center for this Ithaca team. So it's another sort of top-heavy team that could be a tough out, but it's not as if they are a lock to win in the first round either. Uh, They've got a Rochester team, the number 11 seed, who has a lot of talent, has a hardwood class of its own. The juniors are number six hardwood, number 32 sim hoops. That's thanks to Leonardo Charles, who has had a very good statistical season this year at power forward, 16.8 points a game, 2.2 blocks and 1.7 steals, as well as 2.4 assists against just 0.7 turnovers. So you could make an argument that Charles is actually the best player in that Ithaca versus Rochester matchup. Though, of course, it's, it's certainly close with Preston Nutter on the other side. Uh, and Nutter, as I mentioned, came out of Conference 6, so it's interesting to see him go against, go against a Conference 6 squad in this, re, in this first round matchup. Rochester is not just a Leonardo Charles team, though. They've got Brendan Martinez at shooting guard, a senior. He's a good player, 18.5 points a game. They've got Matthew Harris, who's actually the leading scorer on this team, who scores 19.9 points a game. And if you take a look at the per 30 numbers, that bumps up to 20.7 points a game at point guard. So those guys are both good players, and it's not as if Ithaca should have an easy time with them. Uh, And then the only other teams that we haven't talked about yet are 7 through 10, the 7, 8, 9, and 10 squads, the seeds. Boca Raton is the number 7 seed. I think they're a good team. They've got some talent. Consensus top 25 sophomore class. Uh, Maximilian Thacker is starting at point guard. He's a sophomore, 13.9 points, 6 assists, 1.3 steals. Statistically, he's the best player on this team. And then his backcourt mate, Andrew Harris, has some nice numbers as well as a 6'3 shooting guard. They're coming out of conference 13. Uh, Didn't win the conference regular season. Didn't win the conference 13 tournament as Shreveport managed to take the double there in Conference 13. But certainly Boca Raton has some talent. And they go against the defending champ. It's taken us this long to get to Youngstown, team that beat its conference mate Sioux City in the NTT title game last season, and returns four of five starters. So you got to figure they deserve some respect. Now, to be fair, the guy they graduated was their star. Caden Mann led them to that NTT title, playing point guard. He had a terrific NTT, a great career, 24.8 points a game last season, along with really good numbers outside of that. He was a star. He was the number one reason they won the NTT, but he certainly wasn't the only reason. They still have Antonio Schumann, senior small forward now at 6'10". He's got some good numbers, 19.7 points a game among them. Angel Campbell, sophomore power forward, part of a consensus top 10 class, almost 20 points a game for him. So those are good players and obviously a team with some success recently, very recently, in the NTT. So that's a good matchup in the 7-10 spot. And then the 8-9 game, number 8 seed is Inglewood, a team with the 1-1 senior class, led by Branson Gilbert, Jacob Hines, and Christian Barnhill, all of whom have been starting this season, mostly at point guard, shooting guard, small forward, 
although Barnhill did play some games earlier this season as an undersized power forward. Those guys are good. And then Grant Schaefer was a big-time recruit, I think a 4-4 tie or so. Uh, he's now a freshman who's been maybe a slightly undersized 6-7 power forward for this team. He's been pretty good. And then Victor Moran, who's a sophomore 6-10 center, not as heralded coming out of high school, but he's got some very solid numbers as well. 17.3 points, 11.6 rebounds. So this is an Inglewood squad with some real top-end top talent that's stuck in that 8-9 matchup. And then Aspen, their opponent, is another one. A consensus top 10 class for the seniors. Number three, Hardwood, as well as number nine, Sim Hoops. Wesley Kane is the senior who gave the Hardwood class or gave rise to that Hardwood class. He's got 16.7 points, 6.4 assists, 1.6 steals. He's a very good player. And then the juniors also are a consensus top 15 class. Christian Coleman is the best player in that junior class, at least statistically. He's 6'8", playing as an undersized center with 15.7 points, 9.2 rebounds, and 2.1 blocks. And Aspen comes out of a, a Conference 21 that was very competitive this season. Uh, they lost a two-point game to Fargo, a team that's in the NTT. They lost by two points in, in a surprising conference tournament 1-8 upset against Boulder. That one certainly you couldn't have seen coming. And then their only other loss was by five points to a Virginia Beach team that is in the top 25, is in the NTT, and I think could really make some noise. So Aspen is certainly going to be a force to be reckoned with as well. Zooming out, taking a look at this bracket as a whole, Louisville is the clear favorite. Doesn't mean they're definitely going to win, but they've got to be the favorite, and they certainly would be my pick to come out of this region. Uh, So I would see them advancing on the bottom group. As to who they would play in, say, the Sweet 16, that's a tough one. I think Honolulu, Yakima, Ithaca, and Rochester all are good teams. Uh, there's no obvious team that's going to you know, blow out the other ones in that group. Honolulu has had the most success this season. They've managed to find a way to win game after game, going undefeated in the, in the conference. Uh, had a one loss earlier this season to Flagstaff in the first three games. That was game number three, and then they haven't lost since. So you might think they have the best shot just because they've been on such a nice winning streak. But I think Yakima absolutely could knock them off. I think Ithaca, with its top-end talent, could win a couple of games. I think Rochester has the talent to win that first-round game against Ithaca and then beat whoever it plays in the second round. But ultimately, I'm not sure it's going to make a huge difference to the result of the NTT in terms of who the ultimate champion is, uh, who wins, uh, who makes the Sweet 16 from that group because I don't see them beating Louisville. Uh, I talked about Youngstown and Boca Raton. I should at least say Youngstown, right, won the tournament last year. They'll be a tough out if they can get by Boca Raton. Louisville would have to knock off the champ on its way to potentially becoming the champ this season. So that's maybe not an easy game. And I don't think it would be an easy game against Boca Raton either, either if Boca Raton beats Youngstown. Some, some good teams there, they're just a step below, a step or two below Louisville because Louisville just has that much talent. On the top of this region, the more I look at it, the more I trend toward Inglewood. Uh, it's a team that just has that talent in the senior class, right? A 1-1 senior class plus a player like Grant Schaefer, even though he's playing somewhat out of position. Uh, it's not the biggest team. That's going to be a problem for them. 
Uh, it's not the kind of team that's going to create a huge matchup problem for Rockford in round two if that matchup occurs. And to be very clear, I don't mean to disrespect Aspen. I like Aspen a lot. and absolutely think Aspen could win against Inglewood. Just if I had to pick somebody, I would lean toward Inglewood thanks to that 1-1 senior class. Uh, and Rockford absolutely will have a shot to to hold on, to hold serve, if you will, as the number one seed. Uh, they've got great players at the point guard and small forward position. Not sure Inglewood really has a matchup for Luke Davis, probably because no one does. So it's not at all obvious to me that Inglewood is the better team there, but I sort of lean their way just because, you know, a 1-1 class of guards uh, at the senior position is a little bit tough to go away from. And they do have some talent around those guys as well in the form of Schaefer and Moran. Uh, and then I also really like Flagstaff. Uh, I, I do think the winner of Flagstaff Buffalo is somewhat likely to go to the Sweet 16 uh, and have a, a really competitive matchup with either Rockford or Inglewood or Aspen. Eh, maybe if I just name every team, I can't be wrong, right? But uh, I think Flagstaff would be my pick to make the Sweet 16 from that group. Uh, they're a very solid team, good NTT history, good coach. Uh, they sort of have been coming on as the season has gone on. They've won their last seven games, beat a very good Phoenix team by 19 on Friday in the conference tournament final. So they look good to me. Um, so I, I think it's going to be Flagstaff in that space 16. I'll go with Inglewood, although that's, that's very close in that top group to me. Uh, and then whoever comes out there, Again, unfortunately, I think we'll have a tough time beating Louisville. So uh, I would take Louisville to win this region. Um, if, I, if I had to pick who their lead eight opponent is, uh, I, I guess I'll go with Flagstaff. I like that team. Uh, I like what Coach Tao has been able to do. But, you know, this is why the NTT is tough to predict because they play a tough Buffalo team in round one and could absolutely lose. So we'll see how everything goes. Uh, I, do, I do think Louisville is a clear favorite to win this region will be very tough to knock off at any point in the tournament, but it'll be fun to watch. Good luck to all teams involved.